Good to see you all tonight. There is a, I've been asked to announce there's a Jeep Wrangler 4x4 with the lights on out there. They didn't say what color or license plate or anything, but uh, Jeep Wrangler 4x4, your lights are on. You might want to go check that. I don't know. Uh, anyway. All right. That, uh, that was, that's added to the message. Okay. So I get an extra couple seconds at the end here. Tell Steve that. Because whenever I go over time, Steve gets a little anxious. He starts pacing in the back. But uh, uh, anyway, um, great to be with you all tonight. I'm excited about uh, just sharing again with you just uh, what God's placed on my heart with regard to relationships and what God's Word has to say uh, about relationships. And we talked last night about uh, the purpose for which we believe God has created relationships, and that's to, to glorify Him, to make Him look good to others around us. And, and we talked yesterday about, you know, one of the things that we've, we've observed is that, is that there's a difference between men and women, that, that God has made us differently. And, and one of the things that is different is that, that women, just by and large, tend to uh, live longer than men. And uh, I've, I've done a little poking around, and I've, I found out maybe some reasons why they, uh, that uh, women live longer than men. We just have some creative ways of, uh, of accomplishing things. This guy, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure this guy lives in Michigan. I think, doesn't it look like uh, uh, somebody that's getting ready here in a couple weeks? To, uh, uh, I'm a little concerned about the firearms and the alcohol, whatever we got going on. But, uh, uh, you know, and then there's this guy. And, and, and here's, here's the difference. Let me tell you the real difference between men and women, okay, is this. When I put each one of those slides up there, um, you know, all the ladies went, oh, my goodness, whoa. And all the guys went, yeah, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> so we, we have different ways of accomplishing things, but God has made us differently. He's, he's done it on purpose. One of the things that I, I meant to mention last night when we, we look at that passage in Genesis is, is that we see that God it, it loves, God is the author of diversity. He created it. It's his idea. He, he made us different, and he's done it on purpose so that as we learn to do life together uh, according to his plan and by his word, even, even with our differences, um, we, can, we can make him look good. We can give the world a right perspective of who he is. And so that's why this is important. That's why we want to dive into tonight is, is how do we go about accomplishing this purpose? So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into the, the session. Father, thank you for um, bringing us together tonight. And Lord, I pray for those who are are still on the road, coming from work and school and whatever else. God, you give them safety, uh, help them to get here in a timely manner so that we can uh, just all be together um, uh, under your word and, again, hear from, from you, Holy Spirit, and what you have to say to us. Uh, Lord, you help me as I uh, try to, to, to share that I, I would do it uh, clearly and um, uh, that the words that I speak and even the things that I think about would be pleasing in your sight, I pray. Oh, Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in, uh, in, in John, I, I, I love, um, when, I, when I first started following Jesus, um, uh, a guy directed me to uh, um, really pursue Jesus, get to know him, and, and sent me to the, the Gospel of John. And Gospel of John is one of my, my favorite um, of, of the four Gospels. It's, uh, John has a little bit of a different perspective on Jesus' life gives us a, a little different angle. And, and one of the interesting things about John's gospel is that the, the last um, third, maybe a, almost a half of John's gospel is devoted to the last week or so of Jesus' life. John really focuses and emphasizes on these last few days and these last words 
of Jesus. And, and in, in John chapter 13, um, Jesus says something to disciples, and, and he says, he says there's, there's one identifying characteristic, one quality by which people are going to know that you're my follower. All right, now, I, I, would, I would say that in our uh, you know, Western evangelical culture, we probably have a lot of other identifying markers, a lot of things that we kind of say, yeah, that's what a Christian looks like or whatever. But Jesus said, the one thing by which everyone is going to know that you are my follower is if you love one another. And tonight we're going to talk about the importance of what it means, what it looks like to love each other. So if you want to turn to page 45 in, in your booklet, um, you can follow along with this. And, and the importance of, of loving one another. Um, I remember when I, when I first got uh, married, when uh, Lori and I were engaged, I first got married, and I wanted, I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good godly husband. And, and, uh, and so I, I, you know, I, I tried to study and, and listen and, and, uh, and you know, adjust my life. And, and I remember uh, reading you know, Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul exhorts us as husbands to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so I, I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to I love my wife like Jesus has loved me. And then it says, um, in, in, um, uh, elsewhere it says, uh, Jesus says that, that greater love has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for another. And so I thought about, what, did, what would that look like for me to really love my wife that way? And I, and I thought about, if, if Lori were ever in a, a life-threatening situation, you know, w- would I be willing to, to lay down my life for her, you know? If, if a bus was coming down the street, would I, you know, dive in front? And why is it always a bus? Anyway, I don't know. You know, the bus drivers get a bad rap. But anyway, um, uh, you know, would I be willing to do that? A life-threatening situation. And I, I really thought about that. And I thought, yeah, I, you know, I, I would. I, I would lay down my, my life for her. But until one of those situations arises, you know, this, this whole thing's pretty much about me. I mean, I didn't say that, but it's kinda, that's kind of how I, I lived. And, and then I, I came across this, um, this principle, what this looks like. I'm going to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Now, Philippians chapter 2 is not a, a passage on marriage, all right? And again, remember, we're, we're not just talking about marriage relationships. We're talking about uh, all our various relationships, all our relational contexts, whether uh, we're single, whether we're talking about parent and child relationships or people that we do life with, with here in this uh, faith family or, or whatever. And, and, and in Philippians, the, the Apostle Paul is talking in, in uh, this, uh, this book about the idea of, of he uses the, the, the term fellowship, all right? Now, when we think fellowship, it usually revolves around, you know, a potluck dinner of some sort, okay? But when, when he was talking about that, he's talking about partnership. He's talking about coming together as brothers and sisters to try to accomplish a common purpose. And so, so Paul's talking about this idea of, of fellowship and partnership. And, and then in chapter 2, he, he talks about what, what Christian unity, what it looks like to really work together and, and, and live uh, in harmony with one another. And, and he gives us a picture of Jesus. And I think this kind of gives us an idea of what it really means to, to love each other. So let me read this passage, Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 3. Scripture says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men." 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's a few things we can see in this passage that I think if we can uh, start applying to our life, it will help us to truly love other people in the way that Jesus has loved us and, then, and, and therefore demonstrate that love, the love of Christ, to, to a watching world. So, so um, let's look at this and kind of walk through this passage. The first thing we see here is, is, uh, is don't be selfish, Paul says. Don't be selfish. Um, how many of you, what, what, what would you say the opposite of love is? What's the opposite of love? Hate, okay? That's, I think that would be what we commonly think, and I've, I've always thought that as well. But, uh, but a few years ago, I came across this, this kind of concept, and I think my, my, my thinking has changed a little bit. I think that the opposite of love is actually selfishness. You see, the, you see, the more of, of self, more of myself that there is in my relationships, the less margin I have for other people. The, the less of me... That, 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 you know, that's taken the, the, the center of this, and the more margin I have, the more room I have for other people. Um, did, did you know this in, in, um, you know, in terms of um, um, uh, weather? We, we, don't, we don't measure um, cold, okay? We, we might say it's cold outside, but, but we don't actually measure cold. We, we measure the amount of heat that there is in an environment. The, the more heat there is, the more we say, yeah, it's hot in here. Uh, the less heat, the more we say it's cold in here. It's the same thing with regard to love. The, the more of self, then, then the less room I have to love other people. So that's why I believe Paul starts with this. If we're going to be unified, if we're going to love one another the way Christ has and demonstrated that for us, then, then we've, got to, we've got to stop being selfish. We've got to stop um, um, being inward-focused. Um, one of the things about relationships is that God uses our relationships in our lives to reveal to us just how selfish we are. All right, I, I, I really didn't know how selfish I was until you know, I got married and I started to have to share a remote. Okay, all right, all of a sudden, you know, I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, I was watching that. You know, or, or then you have kids, you know, and kids come along and, and all of a sudden your things, you know, are not, you know, those aren't yours anymore. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the more you the, the, we're involved in other people's lives, the more we can, rec- can recognize just how selfish we are. God uses relationships in our life to reveal to us what's really going on on in the inside and how selfish we are. You've probably heard the old saying that, that love is blind, but marriage is a real eye-opener. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, one of the privileges that I have of, of being with this uh, ministry and traveling with this team is, is I get to work with these 26 uh, single uh, team members. And, and, you know, just because of the, the nature of what we do and, and the, the proximity that we are, are in with one another, you know, relationships, you know, just kind of tend to, to bloom out of this. Some people have, have referred to our ministry as wife action. Uh, sometimes because, uh, you know, Lori and I met here. Steve and Debbie met here in this ministry. A lot of us have met our spouses uh, here, and, and, uh, and that's, that's the case. Uh, and so, um, so um, what was I saying? Oh, and so I get the privilege of, of walking through some of those relationships with these guys, and, and it's, really, it's really kind of funny sometimes, you know, when they're first, uh, you know, dating and engaged, and they look at one another, and they just, you know, that other person is just so perfect and wonderful. And the, no matter what you tell them, you know, they just can't see. Remember those days, all right? Remember how we thought of our spouses that way? And, and then we got married, 
you know, and you smelled their breath in the morning, you know, and, and uh, saw him leaving his dirty underwear around and whatever, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, marriage really kind of opens our eyes to, to, uh, to what uh, life is, is really about. And, and I think it's, it's true in the sense that, that, uh, that marriage also just opens our eyes to who we really are if we're willing to take a look. And, and God will reveal to us just how selfish we are um, in the context of our, our relationship. So the first thing is we want to focus on is don't be selfish. The next thing, and, and it's close uh, context with this, is consider others' interests. Consider others' interests um, above your own. I, now, I don't know about you, but I have an, an, a difficult time being interested in the things that don't interest me. Maybe it's just me, okay? But, uh, you know, the, the things that I don't care about, you know, I, I, I don't care about them. And so, uh, you know, one of the things, if I'm going to love other people, if, I, if I'm really going to do this, I, I need to, to take interest in the things that, that other people are interested in. Uh, one of the things that, that Lori and I shared last night is, is that Lori loves shopping. She, she just enjoys it. It's, it's therapeutic for her. Uh, you know, just to, just to go and walk around the, the store for a little bit. She just, that just that, you know, kind of refuels her. I don't, I don't get that. Um, I'm, I'm, I love outdoors. I, I like to go hiking, camping. Man, I can strap a pack to my back and hike all day and come back. And, and you know, I'm physically tired, but, man, I'm just refreshed and, and re-energized. But, man, you know, when I go shopping with Lori, for 10 minutes, and I'm just like, okay, where's those massage chairs, you know, and, and, uh, and, and it wears me out. And so, but one of the things I've learned is if I'm going to love my wife the way that Christ has loved me, is I got to consider her interest, and I got to spend time doing the things that she's interested in. And it goes with all of our, our relationships, okay? And so, so getting to know people, learning the art of, of asking questions. Um, I read this article a while back, is, uh, the title of this is, is Why One Wife Now Chooses to Shop Alone. <laughs> this letter was sent by a British hypermart to a customer in Oxford. It says, Dear Mrs. Murray, while we thank you for your valued patronage and use of our store loyalty card, the manager of our store is considering banning you and your family from shopping with us unless your husband stops his antics. Below is a list of just some of the offenses over the past few months, all verified uh, by our surveillance cameras. July 2nd, set all the alarm clocks and housewares to go off at five-minute intervals. <laughs> August 14th, moved a caution wet floor sign to a carpeted area. October 4th, looked right into the security camera and used it to pick his nose. <laughs> December 3rd, darted around the store suspiciously, humming the Mission Impossible theme. I can actually see myself doing that one. I've, yeah. <laughs> December 18th, hid in a clothing rack and yelled, pick me, pick me. <laughs> and December 23rd, went into a fitting room and yelled very loudly, there's no toilet paper in here. <laughs> uh, the caption underneath that article said, this guy's a genius, all right? <laughs> and, and, I, and I might say that, if, guys, if you want to get out of shopping, you might try some of those things, okay? But if you want to love your wife the way Christ has loved the church, you've got to consider the things that she's interested in and, and spend time doing that. And again, that goes with all of our, our relational context. There's a, there's a verse, there's some verses in Scripture that I, I just honestly don't like very much, okay? And one of them is in 1 Peter, where, where Peter says this. He says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And one of the reasons I don't like that is, is years ago I was listening to Chuck Swindoll on the radio, and, and he said this. He said, nowhere else in Scripture are wives instructed to live with their husbands in an understanding way. 
That's, that's a unique directive to us as men. And, and I believe that that's because, because women, just by nature, tend to, tend to be more inquisitive and, and, and curious. That's why they, they ask us, you know, how was your day? And uh, what are you thinking? And guys, we don't ask each other that because we don't care. Uh, all right? Uh, but but what, what, here's what we get. We have to work on it, guys. We have to make a, an effort to try to get to know, understand, ask people questions, know what they're interested in, and join in those things. So uh, we need to consider others' interest. The next thing we see in this passage is this. Um, I need to yield my rights. It says, it says of Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, okay, Jesus was and is uh, God, part of the Trinity. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Jesus, King of kings, the creator of everything we see and, and know, the, the Lord of lords, uh, had every right when he came down to this earth to be uh, revered, to be served, to be honored, to, to, to every adoration, every, you know, Jesus deserved all of those things. And yet it says that Jesus did not consider any of those things as so valuable that he needed to hang on to those, but he emptied himself. And if I'm going to love other people the way that Jesus has loved me, then I've got to be willing to lay aside the things that I believe I have a right to. And this is probably one of the most challenging part of this whole thing for me. Because our, our, our world would tell us, again, our culture tells us something different. It, sa it says you need to claim your rights. You need to stand up for the things you deserve. We talk about the things that we deserve all the time. And yet if I'm going to imitate Jesus, if that's the goal, then I need to be willing to, to say, you know, I, those things, none of those things are so important that I need to hang on to them. Some of the things that I need to be willing to yield my rights to, uh, I need to yield my right to be understood. What we just talked about. I, I, so often, I get into a, a, a situation with somebody, a, a disagreement or argument with somebody, and, and I think if they would just stop and listen to me for a minute, and, you know, and, and understand where I'm coming from, it would resolve everything. And, and yet often, what, what really needs to happen is I need to just let go of that, that right and, and be a listener and try to understand where other people are coming from. Yield my right to be understood. I need to yield my right to defend myself. Sometimes, um, again, this is, this, this is probably the, one, one of the biggest ones I struggle with. Um, I... Um, I, one of the things I, that really gets to me, one of the things I hate is, is when somebody um, misrepresents me or, or says something that's just, just inaccurate or, or falsely accuses me. I, I, just, I get so frustrated by, by something like that. And, and, and so I, 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 go, I, well, I just want to defend myself. I want to, I want to prove why I, I was right. And um, uh, Lori and I, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a disagreement about something. And sometimes she says, I, I go into what she calls lawyer mode, okay, where I, like, I bring in witnesses and I, you know, I have evidence and I, and I, I want to prove that I'm right. And Proverbs 13 says this, that says, only by pride comes contention. And so many times I find myself in a contentious situation, find myself just argumentative, find myself defensive, and, and, it, and it's like the Holy Spirit says to me, Jimmy, why, why is it so important for you that you, you, you need to defend yourself in this situation? 
And then the root is, issue is, it, it's my pride that's been assaulted. And I, I need to yield my right to defend myself. I need to yield my right to be forgiven. You ever do something, say something stupid, and you go back and you, you try to take care of that, and, and the person's dismissive of that? Be willing to, that, you know, if they, they choose to forgive me or not, that's their business. Um, I need to yield my right to be appreciated. You ever serve in some capacity around here and, uh, and, and nobody says anything about it? Or worse yet, you serve with a group of people and everybody else gets acknowledged and you got left off the list? And sometimes it's not a big deal. It's we didn't, not why we went into the, the thing. We didn't, we didn't go in to try to, to be appreciated, but it sure would be nice if somebody just said thank you, right? How about at home? Ever do anything around the house and, and just, you know, it would be nice if somebody would notice and nobody does? Are we willing to yield our right to be appreciated in order to love other people? I need to yield my right to my expectations, Unmet expectations is the number one source of conflict in relationships. All right? Again, our culture says that relationships are a 50-50 prospect, right? You do for me, I'll do for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, it's, it's, it's give and take. That's, that's what our culture would tell us that relationships are. But, but again, let's look at Jesus. Tell me what Jesus got out of what he gave. All right? But he emptied himself he gave for us. And I, I need to yield my right to, to my expectations, the things that I think that I deserve. I need to yield my right to control. Hold on to things, to, to control situations. I need to yield my right to friends. You know, when I was, when I was younger and, and, and single or first married and, you know, life was about friends and doing stuff and the, the older I get and the more responsibilities I have and the more people are involved in my life, the, the less margin I have for some of that. I need to yield my right to that. And then, and then finally, I need to yield my right to quit. Some of you are in here tonight. I know this because it's true. In every situation we've been in, every church we've been in the last uh, eight years that I've been traveling, some of you in here right now are saying, you know what, I, I am done. I'm done with this relationship. It might be your marriage, might be with a parent, might be with a, a, a coworker or, or uh, just somebody else, you know, extended family member. And, and you just, you know, I, Jimmy, I have, I have given, I have, I have, I've tried to, to work things out and I'm just getting nowhere and, 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 and I'm done. A few years ago, we had a... <coughs> guy on, on our team that traveled with us, and, and um, he'd been traveling for, it was his second year as a part of our team, and, and he just wasn't really, just wasn't really um, embracing all that we're about, okay? Sometimes, you know, we, got, we had great, great team members. Uh, these, these are great kids, but sometimes they don't always buy in fully to everything that we're about as a ministry. And, and, and this, this young man had just kind of, he'd kind of not, he'd kind of pushed back against some rules and and things, and, and I remember I sat down with him um, towards the end of our second year traveling together, and, and I said to him, you know what, I, I, I'm washing my hands of you. I'm done. I've tried everything. I've tried to reason with you. I've tried to work things out. I've tried to, to bend a little bit, and you're just not getting it, and, and, and I'm done. And, uh, and we went on the rest of that year, and we, we did our ministry together. We, we went ahead and finished 
while we were doing. And we went back at the end of our, our travel season in, in May. We, we go back to the, the camp down in Buchanan, and, and the team helps kind of run the, the camp ministry. And, and we were there, been there a couple weeks, and, and God got a hold of this guy's life. He brought something into his, his life and circumstances that just, just spun him around. And he just did a total 180, was just totally broken, and God just really got a hold of his life. And, and he came to me, and he just started sharing with me what God was doing and how excited he was about uh, what was going on in, in, his, in his world. And I remember he walked away from that uh, conversation, and, and it was like God said to me, Jimmy, why did you quit? I wasn't done with him. I didn't tell you to quit. Why didn't you stay with us? And instead of me being able to rejoice in, in being involved in that young man's uh, life and, and uh, what God was doing in his life, I, I was excited for him, but it was, it was apart from uh, my involvement in, because I had, I had quit. And, and we need to yield our right to quit. Listen, Jesus could have at any time said, I, I'm done. All right, these, these guys don't get it. The, you know, I mean, how many times did he say, how long do I have to be with you? All right. And, 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 and he, he could have at any time just said, it's not worth it. They're not responsive. They don't understand. Father, I'm, I'm done. He had the right to do that. Am I right? And yet Jesus emptied himself. He yielded his right to quit. If I'm going to demonstrate the love of Christ to other people, then I need to be willing to do the same. And then lastly, on here, I need to be a servant. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus says this. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. And remember again who we're talking about. The king of kings, the creator of the universe. said, that's not why I didn't come here for you to serve me. I came to serve you and I came to set that example for you so that you can do that for other people. And if I'm going to really love other people the way Christ has loved me, then I've got to be willing to be a servant. And, and remember this, okay? Sometimes there's people in our lives and we think they don't deserve to be served, all right? They just, they, you know, nothing in their life is, 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 is worthy and earned this. And, but remember this, that the guys whose feet Jesus washed in just a few short hours were going to deny him, they were going to betray him, and they were going to desert him. And he washed their feet anyway. And I, I dare say that few of us in here, or probably none of us, have ever been treated the way Jesus was by even his closest friends. And if I'm going to love other people and demonstrate the life of Christ in, in my life, then I need to be willing uh, to be a servant. We, um, a few years ago, we were uh, um, down at our, our uh, how we have a house on the, on the camp property down there in Buchanan, and, and uh, we were sitting around our house, and, and some of the team members were over hanging out, and and a friend of mine that was, is in ministry uh, came over, and he was, he was sharing a story with, with some of the team members. He was telling about how when, uh, when he was first going into ministry, he had gone to his, his grandfather, and uh, his grandfather had, had been in ministry. At this time, his grandfather was like in his 90s. It was shortly before uh, he passed away. And, and he said, I sat down with my, my grandpa, and he said, Grandpa, there's just one piece of advice that you would give me as I enter into ministry. What, what would that be? And my friend said, my grandpa's eyes welled up with tears. And he said, if I had to do it all over again, I would memorize 1 Corinthians 13, and I would quote that to myself every day. And if you're not familiar with that passage, 1 Corinthians 13 says that if I could speak like an angel, 
All right? If, if, I, if I had the faith that could move mountains, if I sold all my possessions, gave all my money away to the poor, did all these amazing, incredible things, but I didn't love other people, then, then none of those things matter. In fact, they're actually kind of offensive. And, 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 then, and then Paul gives a, a definition of what real love looks like. He says love is patient and kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. And, and he goes on to give this, this definition. And I, I sat there listening to my friend tell this story, and I said, you know what? I, I want to do that. I don't want to come to the end of my ministry life and look back and say, man, I missed it. All the things that I did, all the things that I accomplished, and I missed the one really important thing that Jesus said for me to focus on. So I started the process of memorizing 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, and shortly while, after I was into that, it may not have been shortly, I'm a slow memorizer, but some, at some point uh, in this, I was reading um, Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. And, and he says in there, he says, you know, when we read that, that uh, definition of what love is, it's really a definition of who God is, Right? And if I'm going to imitate God, then, then th that should be characteristic of who I am. And so he said, wherever you see the word love, substitute your name. Okay, so love is patient and kind. Jimmy is patient and kind. Jimmy is not irritable. Uh, Jimmy does not demand his own way and, and so on. And so I, so I started kind of bringing that into the equation and really trying to personalize that and, and, and you know, saying, God, that's who I want to be. Well, a little bit into this exercise, we were, um, as a family, we'd gone to the, uh, the grocery store, and, and we were on our way home, and, and Lori said something to me that just, just ticked me off, okay? Um, I don't remember what it was. All I remember was she was wrong. Okay, that's the, that's the important thing, all right? And so, so, we're, so we're driving on, and, and, I'm, and I'm just, I, I did the good, godly Christian thing, and I gave her the silent treatment, right? I mean, you know, I didn't lash out. But I, but I, you know, I kept it inside, and, and uh, if, if you know me at all, you, you know, I don't, I don't hide things really well, you know, I kind of, everything, I kind of wear it on my face, and so it was really probably very evident that I was really angry and frustrated at this point, and so, um, so we're driving on in silence, and, and after a little bit, Lori looks over at me, and she goes, so is this how you're going to be all night? And I thought, is this how I'm going to be? I didn't start this. You started it, you know, but I didn't say anything. You know, I was, uh, you know, taking the high road. And we, we drive on home. We get home, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm unloading stuff, and I'm putting stuff in the fridge, and I'm just throwing it in there. And, and, it, and I didn't hear a, an audible voice, but the Holy Spirit whispered to me, Jimmy is patient and kind. And I said, shoot. Because <laughs> it didn't matter what Lori had done or said. Get this, everybody, I had an opportunity to love my wife the way Christ has loved me. I had an opportunity to demonstrate to my boys who were sitting in the back seat what it would look like for Jesus to love my wife if he were here. And, and I blew it because I chose my rights and I chose to defend myself and I chose uh, to my own way instead of uh, emptying myself and, and yielding my rights and giving to her. And so that's what we want to be about. So here's our homework for tonight. All right, it's, it's this. And by, by the way, I went back to Lori, I went back to the boys and, and asked for forgiveness for, uh, uh, for that. But uh, here's your homework for tonight, okay? I want you to write out 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. I want you to substitute your name uh, wherever you see that. And we've got some cards we'll hang out, hand out in a little bit that have uh, those and have some blank spaces if you don't want to just write that all out. But, but sometime tonight, write that out and then put that somewhere where you're going to see that every day. 
Okay, put it on your mirror, uh, you know, or, or um, you know, on your, on your steering wheel. Maybe that's not a good idea. But uh, in your Bible, somewhere where you're going to see that. And every day, let's all read through that and quote that to ourselves every day. And let's see if we can just start to make that a part of who we are. Love one another the way Christ has loved us. And, and in so doing, make God look good. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll move on with the rest of the service. Father, I thank you again for your word and um, how it's, it's powerful, um, how you use it to, to divide soul and spirit, how you use it to um, um, point out things in my life, areas in my life that don't look like Jesus. Thank you that, uh, God, we talked about last night, you've given us purpose in this world, but you've also given us some real clear handles on how to go about accomplishing that purpose. Lord, would you help us? You give us the, the grace that we need uh, to obey and uh, that we would in, indeed love one another in the way that Jesus has demonstrated your love for us and show to a watching world what that looks like, to, again, be the, the visible picture of our invisible God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.